Today, I'm starting a brand new series today, and uh, it's called The Three Gifts. The Three Gifts. And I know you're wondering, Pastor, are you going to be talking about the wise guys? You better believe it, I am. But there's something hidden in this that's powerful wisdom and powerful truth that I'm going to take you on a little journey that the Holy Spirit just kind of been prompting me about. And so I want you to grab your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. How many of you know not everybody's excited about the Jesus you worship? I want to drop down to chapter two, to verse nine, stay in chapter two, go to verse nine, and you see Herod's dialogue, and you know that his heart, his intent was evil because he was a sadistic killer that wanted to do anything he could to hold on to power and control. But verse nine says that he had a conversation with him. I want to worship him too. Liar. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. How many thank God for the leadership of his Holy Spirit? When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures. Isn't that amazing? Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mm. These gifts are speaking to something. Now, these were magi, everybody. Let's talk about the magi just for a moment. The magi were wise according to the world standards. They were, they were the intellectuals of the day. A lot of mystery surrounds these wise guys, but they were not wise in the word. They were wise in that God sent them a sign and they said, hey, something's up here. We gotta do something about this. But they were intellectuals. They studied the stars. And not everybody really knows a lot, but we do know this, that they wanted to follow this particular sign God had given them. The word magi is where you get the word magos, which is the word for magician. In fact, some theologians believe that Balaam was the founder of the magi when you study his prophecy that he gave in Numbers 24, verse 17, that even Balaam, and you study about Balaam, uh, he was the guy that they founded this, is what they, many believed. Now, so that doesn't mean that they were all together all spiritual, but they did know enough to follow Jesus, and they did know that there was a king that was born, and when they knew he was the king of kings and the Lord Lord, one thing they did know to do is they came ready to worship how little or how much they knew about God. They knew one thing, when you come to him, you come to worship him. I have a question. How many of you came here today to see the lights, to hear the song, or how many of you come just to worship him? Now the star might have attracted you. You've heard a lot about Grand Rapids first. You heard to have this Asian pastor that's not too bad. 
They got great music. It's exciting there. You feel something. The star might have drawn you, but what you better be captured with and know you worship is you don't worship a preacher. You don't worship music. You don't even worship your style of music. You come for one thing, to bow before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who has all authority and all dominion. Can somebody come and praise his name because he's worthy of it? And then Matthew 2, 11 says that. It says, on coming to the house. Oh, how many thank God you came to the house? Coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. You know, it's something interesting here you got to also know is that uh, they came to a house. They didn't come to a stable. They came to a house. In fact, by this time, Jesus was probably a toddler. We hope by this point, he was probably potty trained. Isn't that amazing? God himself put on skin, had to go through everything like you. All the suffering, all the joys, all the toilet training, every bit of it. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that, isn't it? All God, yet all man. And they came to his house, probably a toddler. Some of you are going, what? That's heresy. Didn't you just hear that prophecy about not talking about heresy? No, he was probably around two years old because Herod wanted to kill every baby in Bethlehem in the vicinity, two years and young. So he's probably a toddler by now. So he came to the house. You go, oh, you gotta be kidding. I'm gonna have to go to my nativity outside. I got my plastic baby Jesus out there. I got my hay out there. I got the wise man. I gotta throw the wise man away because he wasn't even there when he was a baby. You have messed up my theology, Pastor. No, don't go throw your plastic wise men away. Don't throw them away. There's some things you got to learn about these wise guys, these magi. Don't throw it away. Keep it all together. And when they came and worshiped, then they started giving treasures. Something released out of them. Man, can you believe you go visit a baby? What do you bring a baby? What do you bring a baby? What do you bring a baby? You know, we got all kinds of baby supplies and diapers and formula and baby things over there at our pod or Sir Manager's pod. When you're a hero, when you find somebody has a baby, just start blessing that baby. And you know, I don't, I don't think that you bring frankincense and myrrh. You get things like diapers and wipes and onesies and blankies and passies and baby snot suckers. You get them all. But these guys didn't bring that. You know, there's some appropriate gifts to bring. Now, I tell you, I know there's one appropriate gift you don't bring. And I know you hear the song on the radio. And I know they do it very angelic and it's very humbling. But you don't bring a drum solo to a baby. <laughs> Think about it. You finally get the kid down. You finally got a little colic. You got him down. All of a sudden, here comes a kid and he wants to do a drum solo. <laughs> Could you imagine Mary going, what is wrong with you, kid? Get out of here, you know? But they brought gifts that weren't just appropriate. These gifts were actually gifts that you would actually give to a king. That's why they're so significant. And they worshiped him with gold, with frankincense, with myrrh. And there's wisdom from these wise men in the three gifts they brought. And I want to just kind of talk about the first gift. Let's talk about gold. How many love to have some gold for Christmas? Mm-hmm. They bring in gold. 
They brought this gold to him, and gold speaks of the royalty. It speaks, when you see it, typology, it speaks of royalty, kingship, that's what it speaks of. But there's something about this gift of gold, and even these other two gifts. And here's what I want you to see first about the gift that I want you to look at, is that deliverance comes through the gift. Deliverance comes through the gift. This is really crazy. When I begin to study this, some believe, some theologians believe that the actual gifts, especially the gold, helped Mary and Joseph escape from Egypt when Herod put out the edict that I want to murder every baby two years old and younger in Bethlehem and the vicinity. I want to kill everyone. I don't care what you do. Kill them because I got to consolidate my power. I'll kill an infant that can't even defend itself. Can I tell you, that spirit's been around since the beginning of mankind. And I pray to God it's overturned. I pray to God it's overturned. I do. And I pray to God that the healing happens for those whom Satan sears there and holds hostage in guilt and condemnation. Let me tell you something. You've ever gone through that? My sister, there's a healer named Jesus that forgives you and he pours his healing oil inside of you. Can somebody say amen and applaud that? Because I'm telling you, he's the healer that forgives and restores. And don't you ever forget it. But they really believed that this actual gold might have sustained them. In fact, uh, this is why they had to have it. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He says, Get up. When these magi left, he said, Get up. Get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child, this child in particular, and he's going to kill him. This is what Satan's intent was, was to kill Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed that Satan always wants to kill everything in its embryonic or infancy stage? He wants to kill it early. There are some of you that just gave your life to Jesus Christ, and maybe you're going to give your life to Jesus Christ today, and I'm going to tell you, Satan will do everything in his power when you start out walking with Jesus to kill your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he knows he is the deliverer. But I want you to see something so interesting. These gifts, these magi brought... Listen, Herod, Satan himself, behind Herod, wanted to murder Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ, if that would have occurred, friends, how many know you and I wouldn't be sitting here today? So here's the deal. The gift they actually had, and these men may have not, they weren't born again. They might have been magicians. There might have been things in their life definitely flawed. But they followed this star. They followed this sign from God and they worshiped the Lord and they brought gifts. Can you imagine that God used their gift to bring deliverance to the deliverer? God used these magi, Gentiles, not even Jews. He used their gift to bring salvation to the Savior himself. I don't think we're thinking about that. That the actual gift and the thing that God gave me has the ability to liberate somebody else. Could it be that the gift you have inside of you, the gift you present to Jesus Christ will bring salvation to someone in your world whom Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy their soul for eternity? Did you hear what I said? We just want to make about we three kings and bring in a gift. 
But that gift actually brought deliverance to the deliverer, the Son of God himself. Could it be that everything that is in you right now that you minimize and Satan demeans could actually bring salvation to someone Satan has assigned to kill and destroy and separate from God for eternity? I'm telling you, you've got a gift inside of you and you need to let it go. You need to let it go. Because when you release the gift, guess what? Your gift is going to release someone else. Your words, your worship, your smile, your kindness. Let me tell you, a lot of Christians get, be, get a lot of things done for the kingdom of God if they just stop being a jerk. Seriously, just stop being a jerk. And you watch how God will use your gift of kindness to bring someone to Jesus Christ. Do you realize the gift and the talents you have, whether you're an attorney, you're a doctor, whether you're an architect, or whether you manage a restaurant, whether you bust tables, do you realize that the gift inside of you could actually be the salvation that sets somebody free, but Satan always wants to dumb it down that I'm too old, I'm too young, I come from the wrong neighborhood. I don't have the money like that person over there across, across the room. If I had their money or I had their education, if I've been raised by these parents, can I tell you, God gave you a gift. And in that gift, when you found Jesus Christ, could actually stop the destruction of Satan from coming against someone. And you've got it. What are you going to do to use that gift to be the deliverer to bring someone to Jesus Christ? I think this is one of the reasons why God so drove my spirit and the leadership of this church about bringing City Serve to the state of Michigan. And it's not just about us. I believe that gifts have a power to bring people to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ, a vehicle to build a relationship. So this is why I've been telling y'all, everybody, come on, be a hero. Don't just be a hero. Look at the person beside you and say, you're a superhero. Come on, tell them you're a superhero. You got supernatural power inside of you. You say, well, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Let, let me just tell you. Here, look, can I just, just help you out here for a second? Just let me help you out. All you got to do is get on the app or get on the website. It says hero. Just says hero training on it. Go watch that video. In fact, after the service, if you say, I still don't get it. Back at the servant evangelism booth, there will be someone there to train you today and say, let me show you. You say, well, I still don't get it. Then you just call us and we'll get you set up and we'll place the order for you. We'll do whatever it is to make you a superhero in the kingdom of God. That's the reason why I'm saying, can you imagine taking a gift? And here's what I'm going to tell you. This is, I'm telling you. I'm telling everybody in this church. You go find a neighbor, especially a neighbor. It may even be one of their family members. They don't know the Lord. I want you to use a gift and get into their life to start building a relationship. I want you this Christmas, I mean, they're going to be so, and then put in one of those invitations to Christmas. You say, hey, come to Christmas. Your family will love it. There's a camel out there. There's goats, chickens. I don't think there's chickens, but I don't know. But we bless you. Or say, come to one of my Sunday services with me. Can I tell you that they are so ready to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? What gift do you have in you? See, I'm taking away the excuse that's about money because now you don't have to pay for it. You just got to say, I want to do it. Or I, I just don't care. I want to keep my gift. I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to look at people around me. I just don't want to do it. Just say it. I just don't want to do it. But you can be a hero because we take away the money issue. 
two amens. I'll take it. I'm not going anywhere. I can take it. Amen. What gift do you have inside of you? Are you searching? Are you looking? See, gifts can actually lead someone to the deliverer. What gift do you have in you? What has the Holy Spirit spoken to you about about serving others in this church? Well, I don't have any gifts. Can you smile? Can you smile? Then you'd make an outstanding greeter. Well, I can't smile. Well, can, can, can you do this? You could hold a sign right out there in that parking lot when people drive up that they see that welcome to Grand Rapids First that opens their heart and say, this church really does want me here. You can hold a sign. Can you do this? You could be an usher and hold an offering bag. What can you do? Do you like kids? Have you thought about kids first ministry? Hate kids. Well, do you like young people? <laughs> Pastor Taylor here. He'd love to have you come serve. Some of you older ones that have some, some knowledge in your life and you love hanging out with young people. I'm going to tell you, hang out with young people. It'll keep you young. Don't be such a grouch. Oh, I don't like them because they don't pay attention to me. Their nursery's a great place. Come on. Get them back there. You know what? Do you all know this? That when they take little babies that are, that are still just little, they're, they're like Jesus at this point, not potty trained yet, and they have to change the diapers. When those ladies change the diapers of those kids, do you know they speak? I put a hand over them, and we have a blessing written out, and they speak it over those children. After, while they're changing that diaper, they speak the blessing, put their name in it, because those kids sometimes never hear a blessing from anybody, and we commend the blessing of God on them. Did you know that? Serve. What gifting do you have to give that brings deliverance even to a child? Yeah, get in that nursery and maybe that's what God wants you to do, sir. This, you know? Ma'am, you got to change a diaper back there. I can change a diaper. Speak that blessing. It'll take the duty out of the duty. Yeah. <laughs> what gift in you that can bring deliverance? Did you, but let me ask you, did you gripe when Pastor Meredith asked for your offerings to go to God? Did you say that's all the church ever wants is my money? Or did you come rejoicing, worshiping, saying, God, thank you for empowering me to have a job and I can take even what I have right now that someone else can hear the gospel in this city or around the world. You see, you just see, here's the bottom line for me. Just find a need and fill it. Just find some place. Somebody needs the gospel. Someone's hurting. You can be a hero. You say, well, I'm sorry, but I'm just too spiritual and I don't feel led. Well, I have an instruction for you. Go get you a number two pencil this afternoon, rub the tip of it, and feel led, and get moving. Amen. <laughs> Do you realize that there's deliverance in the gift that's in you? You've got talent. You've got breath. You've got smile. You've got joy. Most of all, you have Jesus empowering everything in you, your money, your talents, your time, your worship. Something powerful when you release it releases others for deliverance like the wise man. My Lord, quit minimizing what you are and holding on to what you are as a believer. The smallest gift in the world is a person wrapped up in themselves. What about my car? What about my SUV? What about this? What about this? What about this? What about mine? What about, what about the gift you have that could bring the deliverer Jesus Christ to so many? This is why Jesus was so intent when he said in Matthew 6, 21, he says, for where your Treasure is, that's what you love, is what he says. 
That's the reason why you as a believer, if you're going to claim him as Lord and King, you have to be intentional and willfully lay your treasure at the feet of Jesus Christ in every area of your life. Well, I don't have time. I get it. The world is run by tired people. I get it. I don't have the resource, I don't have the money. Can I just say this? You know, when we act like it's this big chore for us, it, is, it does cost us something. There is sacrifice with it. But when I think about the Magi, do you believe, they, don't, you believe don't you understand they worship God with the best of their resources and gave God their time? Gave God their time. Do you understand these guys were from the east? They were Gentiles. Do you know they traveled 715 miles to find a two-year-old? 715 miles. It took them months to find him. They're wandering. They're just wandering everywhere, trying to find him, following the star. Could you imagine? And some of us, we feel persecuted for the cause of Christ if we have to stand seven minutes and 15 seconds. They came 715 miles. I don't know what they rode. Camels. I don't know if it was a one humper or a two humper, but I promise you, it was painful to ride that long on a camel. And they gave it. Why? Because there's power in the gift you offer in worship to Jesus Christ. That's the reason why I like Proverbs 18, 16. I love this passage. It says, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver the giver into the presence of the great. Could it be the reason why you're not enjoying this service as much as I am and others are today? Could it be that you didn't give God the gift of your worship? Therefore, you don't experience the presence of God at the magnitude that others are beside you in this room? Could it be that's the reason why church becomes such a pain and a drain and a strain to you? Is because you don't offer the gift of worship that ushers you into the presence of God where you get revelation, you get strength, you get renewed in the power of the Holy Spirit. How many thank God the gift opens the way to the giver? That's what it does. That's the reason why the hero, being a hero is so important. Do it, I mean, do it right here in the service. Just take that, get that, download the app and go get that. Because I love what Proverbs 18, 16, the New Living Translation says. It says, giving a gift can open doors. It opens up doors. Yeah, but my gift won't matter. It's, it's just such a little thing. The gift of my offering, the gift of my time, or the gift of volunteering to maybe help just clean around the church or anything. It won't matter. Never minimize the power of a gift. You know, every time I think about servant evangelism, you know, as a pastor, my family, my wife and kids, we did this before we ever pastored. We would just attend in a church and we did this. We go hand out cold bottles of water when we lived in Texas. When I lived here before in 96, we would just do things around the neighborhood just to open up a door with them, giving people a gift, just to minister to them. And I think the reason why I never minimized the small things was because I know the power of a small gift that brings deliverance. See, when you look at my life, so many of you know the story. My mother got saved in the Billy Graham crusade on, on June 22nd, 1954, in the Billy Graham crusade. And everybody credits Billy Graham or the believers that invite him. They all had the part. Don't minimize it. Not at all. They all had to play the part. But actually, it was an elderly man that really reached my mom. Because my mom had a girlfriend when she left Indonesia to go to the Netherlands 
And she heard my mom and my European blonde-haired, blue-eyed Dutch father arguing and fighting because they came from two different cultures. My mom came out of a pagan lifestyle bound by demonic spirits. My grandfather practiced black magic. He would keep dirt out of the mouth of a corpse given to him by a witch doctor. My mother would watch her parents take her to a Buddhist temple every single day and bow before a piece of wood whose eyes couldn't see and hands couldn't reach out to touch and heal you. That's, 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 the, that's the pedigree, the background of Sam Reifkogel's life. And that friend heard my mom and dad fighting all the time in their marriage, just fighting, fighting. You got any neighbors like that? You hear that? Maybe you need to be hero. All right. All right. Fighting. Fighting. She told her father, they're fighting over there. They don't know Jesus. That little old man had government rationed meat. Don't tell me that your gift or your prayer doesn't mean anything. Don't say it. All he had was a piece of government rationed meat because he was poor and my family didn't have much. And he'd come over to my mom's house and he'd give her that government rationed meat. But the only reason he did it was he could sit there and be a friend to her. Then he started talking to her about Jesus Christ. My mom couldn't understand the concept of Jesus Christ, man, but he just kept bringing that little piece of government rationed meat. It was through that government ration meat, that little gift, that all of a sudden he started introducing her to other believers. Those believers invited her to go heal Billy Graham for one time in the Olympic Stadium in Amsterdam. And up there in that balcony, like some of you are sitting, sitting today, Billy Graham gave the altar call and he said, Jesus Christ is going to come down and meet you here at this altar. And my mother had a vision of Jesus Christ. And it all started with a man caring enough to take the gift and bring her into the presence of the great. I'm telling Americans, we got more stuff. We got more garage sale fodder. We got more time. We got more money. We got more energy. We got more strength than anybody else. I say, let's take that gift and start opening up the way to the giver. And if God can do for Sam Rifle's family, and here he is today, not a Buddhist priest, but a blood-bought, born-again, bonafide by the Holy Spirit, preacher, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I can tell you what does God have in store for your family? What does God have in store for your neighbor? What does God have in store for this city? What does God have in store for the state of Michigan. How many believe the gift can actually bring deliverance when you release it like the wise men? That's wisdom from some pretty wise guys. And I'm a wise guy, so I'm going to keep letting stuff go. Amen. There's deliverance through the gift. Here's the last thing I want to give you. You got to listen closely to this one because when, when that prophetic word came earlier, as the Holy Spirit, as our sister gave it, we did not compare notes here today. So just know that. We didn't orchestrate this in a boardroom saying, okay, now you do this, and then I'm going to do this. There's something that speaks to the gift. It speaks of the dominion of the true gift. Verse 2 says, where is the one, they said, who has been born king of the Jews, we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Not the star, we've come to worship him. Now here's the deal. The most important thing is not the gift. Watch this. The most important thing is not the gift, but what it says about the one receiving the gift. Can I tell you, this Christmas... I will not be giving Brenda frying pans or an iron because I might find the frying pan between my eyes if I give her that. Why? Because it's not about the gift. It speaks about the one receiving the gift. So when I worship or when I witness 
or when I give my offerings, when I give my tithe, when I bless a missionary, when I bless on a bonus, it doesn't talk about the gift. It talks about the one receiving the gift and what I think about him. Selah. Should I continue? Because gold, they knew it. Why did these wise men know? These were wise, these were intellects. Gold was given to kings, and gold recognized the royalty of Jesus Christ, the authority of Jesus Christ. And here his family was, these folks didn't have much money. Joseph and Mary had, didn't have much money, but yet they recognized this is not a baby. He is the King of kings and the Lord. This is a supernatural sign. Are you seeing this? Everybody say, he's king. Listen, be careful not to make him a king without a kingdom. The more frustrated I get about this current culture means I believe this is the only kingdom. When you go through suffering and you see this is the only part of it, make sure that you have not made that issue you're going through the kingdom be sure not to make him a king without a kingdom. You say, what do you mean, pastor? So sometimes we can say, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. He's Lord, Lord, king, kings. We can say it, clap to it, and everything else. But when you think of a kingdom, you know that he has a kingdom. And in the kingdom, he has people that are his subjects. So it's not just about Sam Ruff say he's king and he has a kingdom. When I acknowledge him as Lord and king, I am saying... He has rule over Sam Reifkogel's kingdom. Not just the kingdom, he has every authority and right over me when I surrendered my life to him. In other words, friends, he has lordship. Can you say lordship with me? Lordship. This isn't very important. Go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. I'm going to close with this here in a minute. It says, therefore... God elevated him, speaking of Jesus, to the highest place, the, high, the place of highest honor, and gave him a name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's king. To the glory of God the Father. What does this mean when you're going to say that he's Lord? Don't make him king if you haven't given him rule of your kingdom. Because lordship actually means, you ready for this? It means unconditional obedience from Sam Reifkogel, if I truly believe that. If I really believe he's lord and king over Sam, it means I surrender everything to unconditional obedience to him. Because guess whatever becomes Lord is what you end up worshiping like the Magi. And whatever you worship, watch this, actually becomes your identity. It's who you are. It's what makes you. It's identity. And whatever is Lord in your life, then that means it controls your life. Now, I talk fast and loud when I excite. Please take notes. Whatever is Lord of your life controls your life. Here, let me just get you in a little revelation. Sir, you don't control yourself. Yeah, but I'm the CEO. Of, you don't control yourself. 
13-year-old, well, I'll do it. I don't care. My parents say, dup, 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 dup. you don't control yourself. Just let us not feed you today, and you'll figure that out. You don't control yourself. You make decisions, but you don't control yourself. You say, what do you mean, pastor? If you, listen, if you mainly pursue acceptance, and that's a big deal to you to be accepted by your friends and your peers, then guess what? You're controlled by the approval of people, and you're not satisfied until you get it. You'll do whatever it is. You'll even sin to get it. You'll even sin. If you seek power, then guess what? You're controlled by power. If you're seeking money, you're controlled by money. In fact, I can tell you when you're controlled by money, you say, well, I don't have no money. I got nothing in the bank. Let me tell you how you know you're controlled by money. It's when you resent somebody in your family or somebody in church or your neighbor getting something better than you. If you resent it, you're controlled by money. That's why he says, watch out for all kinds of greed because you usually know when you have it. But you know when you have it, when you resent other people that get blessed on the job and everything else. Or if you just cringe, now if you're a new convert here or you don't know the Lord yet, you're growing in this, when somebody asks you to give something away, your money away, you resented them for asking. Oh, I've, listen, I've asked believers and they resent me for asking. If you resent them for asking, you're usually controlled by money. See, well, nobody controls me. I'm independent. I have an independent spirit. I'm Irish. I'm Dutch. I have an independent spirit. No one controls me. Your independence is controlling you. Did you hear what I said? You're in, that's why some of you can't get married. Because you're afraid of having to commit to someone. Because if you commit to someone, that means you give mutual submission and mutual surrender. That I will acquiesce my rights to your rights because I am surrendering to you. That's why some people won't get married. I'm saying this for everybody, but that's some reason why some people can't. Okay, Lord, I'm going I'm to take this iPad down. I'm going to see if they're all still here. Okay. They're still here, Lord. They're still here. Are you listening to me for a moment? Whatever you worship controls you. The Magi said our own intellect won't control us. Our own money won't control us. We acquiesce every right and authority to me. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the gift proves he has dominion over our life. So much so that we travel 750 miles on a one humper all this way to go find this kid to worship and declare he is King of kings and Lord of lords. What are you really willing to give up and give control of? Because dominion is proof that he really is Lord. Now, we can say that in church because I do it a lot. Because I'm one of y'all. I say it a lot. But here's what we need to know. Is that Jesus is not just the most important. He's not just most important of every area of my life. Okay? We say that. But Jesus cannot just be the most important of every, of every area of life. Here's the deal. Jesus must be important in every area of life. Not just the most important of, he's the most important in every area of life. It's, look, it's easy to go to church and come to church and then go and say, Lord, I love him. He's Lord of my life. It's easy to say when you have quiet time with Jesus. You have your quiet time, your 15 minutes, your cup of coffee, you read your scripture, you go through your U version, you're done. Hey, did it for today. Go to small group, that's all good. Everybody, that's all good. Please, I'm not dissing that. That's all good. I do that. 
But Jesus cannot just be the number one area of your life amongst other areas. He has to be in every area or he truly does not have lordship in it, in it. So that means that if I'm gonna run this company, I better not be cheating people out of money because he really isn't Lord. I don't care how much you speak in tongues. If you know you are cheating people, he's not Lord. He's not Lord. That means in your marriage, I come here and I worship God, get in the altar, but then you go cuss your wife and your kids out. He's not being Lord in that area of your marriage. In your dating relationship, oh, I can praise the Lord, worship God. I cried at the altar. And then you get out on the dating relationship and all things go to the wayside. He's not really Lord in every area of life. Not of. He just can't be Lord, Jesus, number one of everything. He's got to be number one in everything. My money, my marriage, my relationships, my work life, my career path. He's got to have lordship of every area. I will go 715 miles. I will give the best gift because he is lord of everything. And the more you get closer to him, the more you start letting those things go. It doesn't happen overnight, but just take my word for it. He'll start asking for those things that encroach in and start to be worshipped more than him. And they're good things. And he will ask and demand, do you have absolute loyalty? Now you go, pastor, come on. You mean, is he, that, is he that insecure? Is God that insecure that he's going to ask me to do that? Now why would Christ be commanding Sam Reifkogel to obey him? Why would he be giving Sam Reifkogel directions and said, here's what I want you to do. Here's what you can do. Don't do this, Sam. That's a dumb idea. Go this way, Sam. Why would Christ be commanding Sam Reifkogel and you to obey him? Because here's one thing I know about God. He doesn't need it. I'm Sam Reifkogel. He doesn't need it. You're Fred. He doesn't need it. You're Alice. He doesn't need it. I mean, why would he be demanding this of me? He, he, doesn't, need, he doesn't need help from me anyway. He's already Lord of the universe. What in the thunder could I do in my obedience to help him? He gets nothing out of it. Think about it. See, some of you see Christianity and the tenets of the scripture as so demanding and so oppressive. No, 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 no. He doesn't get nothing out of it by you obeying him. He's already God of the universe. What could you give him? Made you think, didn't I? There's only one possible reason he is commanding me for lordship. Only one possible reason for ask me, Sam, I need your unconditional surrender and obedience. There's only one reason. Only one reason, because he gets nothing out of it. It's simple. He loves Sam Reifkogel. And he loves you. Do you understand that, sir? CEO, plumber, student? He's not trying to be oppressive. He is so crazy in love with you that he would send himself to die. He just loves you. And he says, I have the perfect plan for your life. And whatever place I take it, whatever turn it takes, you gotta know that the steps of my people are ordered by me and I am love you. Please, I know what I'm doing.
The question is not what we intend ourselves to be. The question is, is what did he intend Sam Rifkel to be when he made me? What did he want out of me? So don't make this about rights and demands, Christianity too oppressive. The reality is he doesn't get nothing out of my money. He doesn't get nothing. He's already got everything he needs. The only reason he asked for it is because he loves me and he wants to give me an abundant life. He knows there's a thief called Satan that wants to steal, kill, and destroy that rejects the Lordship of Jesus Christ. How many thank God there's deliverance through the gift and there's dominion of that true gift, Jesus Christ.